Are you a frequent lover? Then sign up for Lover's Lane's loyalty program. Access special discounts and promotions, and all month long, frequent lovers earn triple and quadruple pleasure points on all purchases. Hello and welcome to the Intimacy Advisor Podcast. I am your host, Sarah TomTom, and today we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, which is pleasure-based anatomy. I know it's kind of nerdy that I love talking about this so much, but the reason is, is that we have such limited access to quality information about our pleasure network. And we, so many of us go into our adult lives really without a lot of knowledge of how our body works, particularly how our pleasure network works. I love demystifying the genitals for folks because I think that it really opens up a knowledge base that allows people to explore in an informed way and also more expansively. So not only is there a lot of misinformation out there, lack of information, but also just general shame that comes out of not really knowing how it all works. And one of the other reasons I'm excited to talk about this today is that there is an arc that I am creating right now. If you listened to the last episode, I talked about arousal. And so where I'm going from here is I want to lay the foundation of pleasure-based anatomy so that then we can get into some techniques for expanding your orgasmic experiences and creating multiple orgasms without some working knowledge of pleasure-based anatomy, it is a little bit more trial and error or, you know, a crapshoot as far as those types of exploration. One content note about this episode, if you are someone who tends to listen to your podcasts on your stereo, this might be a good one to put your headphones in for if you've got your kids around or perhaps your coworkers listen along with you. Unless, of course, you're really chill about everyone hearing and learning about all of the proper anatomical terms for their genitals, in which case, go ahead and blast it. One of the first things I like to demystify is that the penis and the vulva are really different or that the vulva is more complicated. Penises and vulvas are totally analogous, which means there are comparable parts on all bodies. In fact, the process of the genitals differentiating happens in embryonic development I told you I was going to get nerdy, (laughs) between 8 and 12 weeks. And we all start with vulvas. Now, what happens is that in testosterone-based bodies, the clit enlarges and the labia actually seal over, which is why you you see that line that runs down the middle of the scrotum. 
that is where the labia have actually fused together. And this is what we see happen most of the time. However, there are also intersex bodies. It's not uncommon for bodies to develop this way in utero. One of the points here is that all bodies have the same building blocks, glands, erectile tissue, nerve endings. Any ideas that you might have going in that bodies, that genitals are really different is just not the case. Okay, so I'm going to talk you through all the different bits and, you know, corresponding parts. We're going to talk about nerve endings and how they work, and we're going to talk about the muscles. We have two sets of nerves in our genitals, pedundal nerves and pelvic nerves, and they respond to different kinds of stimuli because of their configuration in the body. So the pedundal nerves are our external nerve endings, and the pelvic nerve runs down the spine through the rectum and into the genitals. The pedundal nerve externally is, you know, functions kind of like the nerve endings in your skin and the rest of your body. The nerve endings are easily accessible through the skin. And what's cool about the nerve endings in our genitals is that they actually haven't gotten desensitized in the way that the nerve endings, say, in your fingertips do. So through the process of engaging with stimuli, our nerve endings actually desensitize because otherwise our brains would be over loaded. And this happens when we're babies. The genitals are designed in a way where there is actually extra skin and tissue that is protective of the nerve-rich areas so that there is limited stimulation of these nerve centers. They maintain their sensitivity. And externally, you know, the pedendal nerves are responding to surface stimuli such as licking, vibration, light pressure, and massage. And then internally, you have the pelvic nerve. These nerves are not accessible on the surface of the skin. You have to apply some pressure, massage, deep rumbly vibrations, or perhaps even thrusting sensations to activate and stimulate these nerve endings. People tend to experience external stimulation. I think of it as like resonating in treble tones, whereas internally you're experiencing more bass tone type sensations. And one is not inherently better than the other. And I do think that there's been this weird hierarchy that's been created over penetrative stimuli being better than external stimuli, or perhaps that we're supposed to be more orgasmic with these like internal stimuli. And hopefully by the end of this episode, you're going to understand why that is actually nonsense. So let's start with the labia and the scrotum. This is the sensitive skin that surrounds the vulva, the labia, and on the penis, it's the skin that wraps around the testicles. 
through the process of arousal, blood flows into the genitals and helps to sensitize all this tissue. In the vulva, also what happens is the outer labia spread and open up. So on an unaroused vulva, the labia kind of wrap around almost as if they're closing off the vulva and the arousal process helps to spread those wings open to reveal the inner labia, which are more nerve rich and sensitive, similar to the skin around the testicles. And you'll find that light massage, rubbing, licking, some light grazing of your fingertips or a vibrator along this skin can really awaken the whole pleasure network. And you will also notice that the other the other skin that is really similar to the labia and the scrotum is the hood of the clit and the foreskin on the head of the penis. So remember I said that we have tissue that is present to help preserve nerve-rich areas. Well, the hood of the clit and the foreskin acts almost like a protective sleeve. Now, in a lot of penises, the foreskin has been removed. And if this is the case for you, then the nerve endings on the underside of the head of the penis called the frenulum, these nerve endings do actually get desensitized over time. Whereas for folks who still have their foreskin in place, the sensitivity of those nerve endings in the head of the penis are preserved. Similarly, the hood over the clit is like this sleeve that in an unaroused vulva, you might not even see the shaft of the clit peek through until the arousal process starts. And then just like with the penis, the clit actually engorges with blood and swells up a little bit. The hood of the clit kind of gets pulled back to reveal the really sensitive clitoris. And the underside of the clit, just like the underside of the head of the penis, is where the most nerve endings reside. And it's actually the highest concentration of nerve endings anywhere on the human body. Amazing. Give it up for the clit and its integral role in orgasm. Because this is such a nerve-rich area of the body, stimulating it before someone is aroused can actually be uncomfortable or even painful. So if your partner is communicating to you with jerky motions, it means that you have hit a nerve-rich area, but you've either gotten there too soon or too hard, like the intensity with which you're stimulating is just too much for them. And I think a lot of people dive into these really nerve-rich areas right away because they're eager or because they think like, oh, this is the pleasure zone. But in fact, building layers of sensation helps prime these really nerve-rich areas to receive and be ready for stimulation. And the hood of the clit and the foreskin of the penis allow for some indirect stimulation as well. So that's always, that can always be a go-to 
in the warm-up process, you know, engaging the labia, getting the pubic mound involved, perhaps running the clit through two fingers, like moving your fingers back and forth over the hood to help prime those nerve endings before you go in for any direct stimulation with your tongue, a finger, well lubed, of course, or a vibrator. And something that I think is really important for people to know is that both the penis and the clit have an internal portion. While the majority of the shaft of the clit and the shaft of the penis is external, and certainly the really nerve-rich areas of these shafts are external to the body, there is about an additional inch that extends from the penis into the body that is indirectly accessible through the pubic mound. So this can be something where applying pressure with the palm of your hand, a vibrating cock ring against the body, or a partner riding on top and grinding against the pubic mound helps access this internal portion to the shaft of the penis. And the clit also has an internal shaft. You know, think of the clit as being about like the tip of your pinky. And then internally that shaft continues and breaks off into two legs that look like a wishbone. And these legs wrap around the vaginal canal. And here's what I think is so important about that is that a lot of us have shame around having to have our clits engaged or stimulated during sex in order for it to be pleasurable. And the truth is, is that the clit is connected to any and all stimulation that you're receiving. You can massage the legs of the clit indirectly by rubbing in between the internal and external labia, you, when you're receiving penetration, these legs that wrap around the vaginal canal like a wishbone are being indirectly stimulated. So no wonder the external portion of your clit needs to be involved in order for you to have an orgasm. It's connected to all the sensations that you're experiencing. So I know for me, it was really eye-opening to learn about the legs of the clit because then I could figure out a variety of different ways to keep my clit engaged throughout play to maintain arousal and just intensify the stimulation either from vaginal penetration, anal explorations, et cetera. And so you can do this by indirectly stimulating that internal portion of the clit, just like you would on the penis by applying a vibrator, the palm of your hand, or some pressure onto the pubic mount. You can indirectly stimulate the clit by rubbing or using a vibrator over the hood, you can get direct stimulation to those nerve endings on the underside with your fingers, your partner's tongue, perhaps rubbing your body against your partner. And this just intensifies the other sensations that you are experiencing in play. So I want to say external 
for just a little bit longer to tell you about a couple other areas. There's the perineum, which is also known as the taint. It is a point between the testicles and the anus or the vaginal opening and the anus, which is a fantastic pressure point. It is not only really enjoyable to stimulate, it helps to relax the muscles throughout the pleasure network, the PC muscles, which we'll get into in a minute. So you can add some stimulation to the perineum, for instance, when you're engaging in oral sex with a partner. If you're giving your partner a blowjob and you press your thumb up behind the testicles and into the perineum, this is going to enhance the other sensations. It also applies some indirect stimulation and massage to the prostate. You can use a vibrator and press it into the body there, and it's just going to enhance other stimulation that you're engaging in. It's also a great place to go if you find that you're experiencing some tension or perhaps hitting a plateau. Similarly, during cunnilingus, you can use, you can press your chin into the perineum or use your thumb, a vibrator, to just enhance what you're doing and amplify what you're doing with your mouth. The perineum can be integrated into any external massage and hand jobs to really enhance those sensations. And it can be like a great warm-up to penetrative play as well. So whether you're trying to prime the body to receive penetration or you're trying to create some relaxation, applying some pressure through massage or a vibrator to the perineum is just really fantastic for that. And like I said, the perineum applying pressure here helps relax the muscles. And the PC muscles are integral to our orgasmic response. Physiologically, an orgasm is the contraction and release of these muscles that builds in intensity through the process of arousal. So having well-toned PC muscles is not only great for just your overall genital health, it can actually intensify your orgasmic response if you have more control over these muscles. Now, when you're thinking about maintaining healthy musculature, think about, you know, doing a rep at the gym. You do a controlled tighten and a controlled release because you want to work both sides of the muscle. Where I think a lot of people can kind of go awry a little bit with working, I guess any muscles, but the PC muscles specifically, is that we tend to be pretty good at squeezing and tightening these muscles and not as great at releasing and relaxing them. If you're trying to kind of locate what where these muscles are, think about the muscles that you squeeze if you're trying to stop your flow of pee. Or uh, if you are a penis haver and you have ever bounced your cock in the mirror, you're using your PC muscles to do that. So that squeeze and release of your PC muscles is what actually bounces your cock. And, uh, you know, we can, we can all do our kegels together right now. Squeeze, 
release. The exercise that I think is most effective, well, most effective and simplest, I should say, is to do a controlled tighten, a controlled squeeze for three seconds. Squeeze, 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 hold. And now release for three seconds. Release, release, release. And if that's really comes easily to you, then start building up to a five count, squeezing for five, holding, releasing for five. And for a lot of folks, actually, it's really hard to do the controlled release for the full five count. Like at a certain point, you just sort of drop it and let it all go loose. And the controlled release is just as important for maintaining the flexibility and pliability of these muscles as the controlled tighten. If you're able to tighten and you're not able to easily release, then you actually have overextended PC muscles. And for you, you should really be focusing on that release to maintain the full elasticity of the muscles. And one way to do that can be to do, you know, a controlled tighten for a shorter count and do your controlled release for a longer count or to do your release on the inhale rather than on the exhale because we tend to put more of our focus into what we're doing on the inhale. So you can switch up those exercises and try them out in a variety of different ways. These muscles control our continents. As we age, our muscles can atrophy a little bit. So there's just a ton of benefits in addition to better orgasms of keeping these muscles healthy, toned, and pliable. Now, one more area to explore before we go internal to the body is the anus. Yay! I know some people really are afraid of exploring the ass sexually, um, but you really are missing out if you're not occasionally engaging your anus in play because it is very nerve rich. It is the second highest concentration of nerve endings anywhere on the human body, second only to the clit. This is an incredibly nerve rich area that can enhance all other kinds of play that you engage in and can be a great way to explore anal without having to engage in penetration because the anus is that opening, is the external portion that once you go internal, you you reach the rectum. But the asshole, the anus, uh, all of the nerve endings live in that external tissue and about one inch inside. So you can gain all the benefits of anal play without having to get into intense penetrative play or thrusting or anything of that nature. So a well-lubed finger, a vibrator can be great on the anus because we're still dealing with those external nerve endings. So that they, they respond really well to vibration. Uh, analingus, so licking, is very highly arousing in this area. Some people are certainly concerned with hygiene. And if that is a concern for you, I mean, I recommend generally before engaging in any kind of anal play to do a little bit of cleanup beforehand so everyone can feel comfortable playing. So either a, a body wipe or a lathered up finger with warm soapy water in the shower, run it over the anus and just like slightly tip in to clean the area out. But if that still doesn't feel comfortable to you using dental dams 
or gloves and just making sure to use lube on the side that touches the body. You'll notice in the vulva and the vagina that there is some kind of natural lubrication that develops through arousal. There's no lubrication that builds up in in the ass. Now let's talk about penetration. There's so much focus that goes into this and everybody thinks that penetrative play is, I feel like there's this misnomer that penetrative play is somehow better than external play, but it's just different. The nerve endings are just different in there. So when we're thinking about the vaginal canal, the vaginal canal itself is sort of similar to the shaft of the penis, whereas, you know, the, the head of the penis has a really nice concentration of nerve endings, but the shaft itself is not that nerve rich, which makes it actually really great for kind of intense uh, massage and pressure. But things like vibrators are sort of lost right on the shaft of the penis. The vaginal canal doesn't has a couple nerve centers, but the full length of the canal is not necessarily very nerve rich. The bottom of the pelvic floor is where we can develop a lot of tension in the muscles. And so it can feel very like a really releasing sensation to massage the bottom of the pelvic floor in a targeted way. So perhaps like taking a G-spot massager and turning it upside down and massaging the bottom of the pelvic floor. But it's not the same as type of sensation that's going to necessarily for everybody build to a really intense orgasmic response as say the G-spot or the backside of the cervix. So as you go inside the vagina, the vaginal, the opening, the vaginal opening is quite sensitive and can be a really nice area to massage before you penetrate or to slightly penetrate in and out shallowly This is where those internal and external nerve endings meet. And then about two to three inches inside on the top wall is the urethral sponge, also known as the G-spot. This area is analogous to the prostate. The difference is, is that to access the prostate, you go in through the anus into the rectum and both are located on the front wall. So what do I mean by that? To stimulate the G-spot or the prostate, you are aiming towards the belly button. You either need some tilt in the hips by like, say, place stacking some pillows underneath the body, or you need positions like doggy style to aim towards the urethral sponge Or you need to be stimulating these areas with something that have curvature. So it's why like all the G-spot and prostate toys that you see are curved. Your fingers are fantastic for stimulating and massaging the G-spot or the prostate because they can bend and curve and hook in to massage either in circular motions or kind of in like a milking sensation, like pressing into the urethral sponge. So like I said, it's about two to three inches inside. It requires some curvature or at least some tilt in the hips to access it. And it does, this spongy tissue wraps around the urethra. 
So for some people, stimulating this area creates a like having to pee sensation. And both the G-spot and the prostate engorge with fluid. They'll fill up and become ridged like the roof of your mouth. So if you run your tongue along the roof of your mouth, you can feel those ridges. And that's how you find, that's how you locate them. And people describe stimulation in this area like targeted massage being very like a huge release. So it's a different type of erotic response that your body experiences when you stimulate the urethral sponge. Think of like the base tone type sensations, a deep kind of pleasurable release. Now moving further back into the vaginal canal, you have the cervix. On an unaroused vulva, the cervix, the front side of the cervix feels like you're hitting the back wall of the vagina. But through the process of arousal, the vaginal canal actually expands and there's like a balloon that forms back there that gives you access to the back side of the cervix. The back side of the cervix is incredibly nerve rich and very orgasmic. And it's actually a rapid lubrication spot. So you might almost feel like the vagina becomes flooded with fluid when you're stimulating deep behind the cervix. But for a lot of people, you know, maybe they don't reach the level of arousal that opens up this spot or during certain times of the month, like the front side of the cervix is sort of uncomfortable to stimulate for most people. And even sometimes trying to access the backside of the cervix, depending on where someone's at in their cycle, it can just be a little too sensitive. Every G-spot class that I teach, I have people say, oh, I know where the G-spot is. It's, it's like deep into the back of my vagina, right? No, that is the backside of your cervix. And so with any kind of deep penetrative play, if you are able to become aroused enough to receive deep penetration, that is the nerve center that you are stimulating. And the vagina really does have to become relaxed, lubricated, engorged to open up this pleasure center. With any kind of penetrative play, whether it is the G-spot, the prostate, or the cervix, what you're building up to is steady rhythmic motions, maybe even like milking sensations, and you are wanting to apply a high level of pressure once someone becomes really aroused. Uh, how much pressure? So think about you know, the muscles in your shoulders when they become tense and you want to rub them out. You can even, you know, if you're in a place right now where you can apply your fingers into your shoulders and try to relax these muscles, that level of pressure is what you're building up to. But only if you have built the layers of sensation in the body that really allow the full arousal process to take place and you're using lubrication and you're taking your time, 
all of these things are really essential for priming the nerve endings to just, you know, reach their full pleasure potential. I hope you have enjoyed this pleasure-based anatomy lesson. Now that we all have a base level of knowledge that we're working with on, around our pleasure network and our genitals, I am really excited to share techniques for all bodies for expanding orgasms and experiencing multiple orgasms. So that is where we are going in our next episode. And as always, you can find us at theintimacyadvisor.com. On social media, you can find us at Intimacy Advisor Pod. You can send in questions through the website theintimacyadvisor.com, or you can email me directly, Sarah, with an H, at sarahtomtom.com. And as always, you can find all of your intimate and pleasure product needs at loverslane.com. I would also love if you would rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast so that new folks can find us and we can continue making really fun, pleasure-based content for you. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, I hope you all will stay in touch and stay sexy. I started using shaving cream years ago and it solved all of my intimate shaving problems. No more razor burn, no more bumps, and now I just feel really sexy every time I shave, which is actually why I'm doing it in the first place. So all month long, when you shop at loverslane.com or at any Lovers Lane location, receive a free coochie cream with every $100 purchase while supplies last. In the Lovers Lane, you go at your own pace. Travel together to that special place. Oh, romance.